Welcome to Gospel Mission Church's message podcast. We pray that God will meet you in this time with a fresh revelation of His love for you and that you will be challenged to align with the amazing plans that God has waiting for you. Here's this week's message from Pastor Brenton. Let's, let's pray. Yeah, God, we thank you for uh, your presence here. And God, we thank you just for another time to, to come together. It's always special, God. It's always amazing to, to meet. Yeah, this is your dream, God. Your, your church and your, your people. Not a perfect people, but a, a people that you have called and a people that you have redeemed and, and uh, people that are your body. So we thank you for that, God. Thank you for these times. And, and Holy Spirit, just speak to our hearts and speak through me during this time. Amen. So in conjunction kind of with the fast, and it will extend past the fast, we're, we're in this series called More. Um, how many of you want more? More of what, right? <laughs> more of, we want to step into the more that God has for us. Um, if, if you missed the, the, first, uh, the first installment that Claude did last week, listen to it, go online, listen to that. It was so good. Um, but one of the verses that, and passages Claude focused on, and we'll probably make a focus of this whole series, is Ephesians 3.16. It says, I pray out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being. And that's pretty cool. God has glorious riches, and, and Paul is praying that the, his, the people of Ephesus would be empowered through the spirit that lives inside of them, right? So if, if you're a believer, the spirit of Christ lives inside of, of you. Um, in verse 20, it says, Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than we can ask or imagine to his power that is work within us. So through the spirit, through the Holy Spirit, we have access to to, to more, and, and God is wanting to, to bl- bless us, and he's want to, wanting to bless us with a, with a full life, amen? In John 10.10, 10, this is what it says, the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy, and Jesus says, I have come that they have, ha, might ha, may have life and life to the full. How many of you want a full life? I want a full life, and that word life is not is not meaning that your bank account will be full or you'll be perfectly healthy. You won't ever struggle. It will just all go well for you. It's actually a better word. The word life there is zoe. And in the Greek, this this word is talking about vibrant spiritual life. Again, it's better. It's better to have God's hope and joy and love and his his freedom and and to have relationship and fellowship with the Holy Spirit than to have some money in your bank account, right? This is is the the, the awesome life that God is calling us to. And so we want to step into the life that he's calling us to. We want to step into more. And I want to step into the calling that God has on my life, amen? Um, today we're going to look at the journey of the Israelites and how, how they struggled to step into the, the promised land, the more God had for them, but, but in the end, they did succeed. But initially, 
you see in Deuteronomy 1 verse 8, God actually, he leads them to the promised land, and they're on the brink of the promised land, and and he kind of gives the Israelites this this rallying speech before they're going to go. How many of you are going to watch some football today? Yeah, Vikings are going to lose, and I don't have to care about that anymore, and it's great. Um, but often in football, what happens before the game is there's, there's kind of this, this speech. We can do it. We are winners. Yeah. And then everyone just cheers. Ah. Well, God is, is, is giving this speech to the Israelites. And he's saying, see, I've given you this land. Go in and take possession of, of the land the Lord swore he would give to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and to their descendants after them. He gives them the speech. He says, the land is yours. Go and take it. I'll, I'll be with you. He led them there. But still, even still, in spite of that, the Israelites lacked faith. It says in Hebrews 3.19, so we see that they were not able to enter because of their unbelief. And we see that unbelief in the spies that were sent out um, to, to scout out the promised land. God sent 12 spies. He suggested this. Take one, one spy from, from every, every tribe of Israel. Go scout out the land. And all 12, they came back. And all of them saw the fruit. All of them saw the giants. But 10 of them said, yeah, yeah, we're like grasshoppers. We don't stand a chance. And two of them said, yeah, there's big guys. But God has spoken. God has given us this land. And, and the Israelites, they take the word of the ten um, over the word of the two. And again, because of that, they don't enter into what God, the, the, the promised land of what God wanted to give them. Um, in Hebrews 11 verse 1, th- this is talking about what faith is. And I think it can help us to see how faith halted their, their journey right there. How their lack of faith halted this journey. It says this, faith is the substance in what we hope for and the assurance about what we don't see. That word substance, it means that which has a foundation, that which is firm. And so faith is this this firm substance, is this reality in what we hope for. And so when we actually put our hope and have faith in what we should have faith, right? We can put our faith in the wrong things, and put our faith in ourselves. We can put our faith in all kinds of things. But when we put our faith in God, in His Word and His promises, and we follow His calling in our life, and when our hope is there, faith is this foundation and substance that that makes us say, "Yeah, that's that's real. That's that's the reality that I want to step into." Um, faith is a belief in the words, the guidance, and promises of God in our life to a degree that it has substance. And this is what causes us to live by faith and not by sight, right? To live by faith and not by sight. This is what uh, Paul was saying to Corinth. That's what the calling of a believer is. A calling of a believer is to live by faith and not by sight. That's your calling. If, if you're following God in your life, your calling is to not live by sight. It's to live by and through faith. And when you live by faith, it changes what you see. It changes the reality of what you're seeing, right? Again, all of them saw the land. They saw the giants. They saw the fruit. But two of them 
lived by faith and 10 of them were living by sight. I love this story in, in Kings where uh, it, it, it's Elisha is here and, and this, when the, it says when the servant of the man of God got up and went out early the next morning, an army with horses and chariots had surrounded the city. Oh no, my Lord, what shall we do? The servant asked. And this is what Elisha says, don't be afraid. Those who are with us are more than those who are with them. I wonder if he took another look. Um, no, you're, you're counting wrong, right? But that's, he probably didn't have time to do that because this is when Elisha prayed, open his eyes, Lord, that he may see. Then the Lord opened the servant's eyes and he looked and he saw the hills full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. I love that. It was, it was that faith, the Lord opening his eyes, that, that caused him to see differently. There, there were still horses and chariots, but now he was, he was viewing this situation through faith. And when we, when we live lives of faith, where, where we, we hope in God, and it becomes the substance of what we hope for, the, our reality, we can now step into the calling of God and walk in faith. Right? And not walk by sight, but walk in faith. And this is what Israel initially, when they were entering the promised land, this is what they failed to do. God was trying to, he was being faithful, he was showing himself faithful, but they were disobedient. And, uh, and, and I, I just wanna, I want us to look at Deuteronomy 1, because we see how God's actually trying to teach them, you can trust me. He's trying to, to get them to this place of, ha of having faith in him. And, and he says, but you were unwilling to go up. You rebelled against the command of the Lord your God. I told you to go. You disobeyed. You grumbled in your tents. And you said, the Lord hates us. He brought us out of Egypt to deliver us into the hands of the Amorites to destroy us. That's, that's sad, right? Like God, he freed the people from Egypt and now they're saying, God just did this all to kill us. Where can we go? Our brothers have made our hearts melt in fear. So they're saying, yeah, like the spies made us melt in fear. They say the people are stronger and taller than we are. The cities are large with walls up to the sky. We even saw the Anakites there. But then I said to you, don't be terrified. Don't be afraid of them. The Lord your God is going before you. He'll fight for you, as he did in Egypt before your very eyes. It's like, you saw this, guys. You saw, you witnessed this. He'll do it again. And in the wilderness, God was faithful in the wilderness, right? There, there was manna, there, there, there was quail. There you saw how the Lord carried you, as a father carries his son all the way until you reach this place. God's saying like, guys, I, I've, I've literally carried you here. You made it here because of me and my faithfulness. Like, man, in Numbers 14, it even says, you, you've tested me 10 times. Like 10 times, you've tested me. I've proven myself faithful. And then it says, in spite of this, you didn't trust the Lord your God. You uh, who went ahead of you on your journey by fire 
fire by night and cloud by day to search out places for you to camp and show you the way that you should go. So again, God, he's working with Israel. He's speaking to them. He's leading them. He's carrying them. He's, 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 he's being a faithful God, and, and they don't enter because they never learn to have faith in God. But while this is a sad story, it kind of, in a way, in a way it encourages me. Sometimes I'm encouraged by reading the story of the Israelites because they just mess up all the time. Be like, oh man, they, they make all kinds of mistakes. And then, I, then God's like, yeah, you're kind of like them sometimes. And I'm like, oh no. <laughs> but God didn't expect the Israelites to have an instant flawless faith. Have an instant flawless faith that never doubt, no doubts, nothing. Just have, have the faith. No, he, 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 he is patient with them. He teaches them. He leads them. He speaks to them. He, he carries them there. And still, they didn't learn. God, ex- God didn't expect them to have an instant flawless faith, but he expected them to learn to learn to trust him, to learn to have faith. Yes, to make mistakes, but to learn from those things. And that encourages me, because sometimes when I think of great people of faith or great faith, we think of people that are flawless, right? We put them on, a, on, on an unattainable pedestal. And we say, well, I'm not that. I'm not a person of faith because this, because of what I did because of my doubts, all of these things. Have you ever read Hebrews 11? It's the hall, they call it the hall of faith. Some people call it the hall of faith, the play on the hall of fame. There's some characters in Hebrews 11 where it's like, I don't know if they should have made it there. Samson is in the hall of faith. He lives, it's a messy it's a messy journey to faith that he has. But, but at the end of his life, did he show faith in God? He did. He came back to faith in God. You have Rahab who has, was a prostitute. and She wasn't disqualified because of her previous sin to, to have faith. Some, so even some of these acts of faith in, in, in the hall of faith are a little, a little interesting. Hebrews 11 verse 11 says, By faith... Even Sarah, who was past childbearing age, was unable to bear children because she considered him faithful who had made the promise. What did Sarah do when God initially said, you're going to have a child? She laughs. She laughs. What did she do after that? She lies about laughing at God. (laughs) Don't laugh at God, he'll get the last laugh. She bore a son. Call him Isaac, which means laughter. I love, I love that. <laughs> so what's true? Did, did she laugh at God and lie and in that moment kind of lack faith? Or did she have faith, like it says in Hebrews 11? Both are true. I believe that she did have faith. Maybe not initially. Maybe initially it started in a rocky place. But she learned somehow to believe, I believe you, God. I believe you, right? If you look at even Abraham, the father of faith, he's the father of faith, but his journey starts pretty rocky as well. 
God says, hey, I'm changing your name to Abraham. You'll be the father of so many, right? He's like, hey, this isn't going to happen. I, I need to sleep with my servant. And, and then that's, that's how God, these promises are going to be fulfilled. That's a rocky start, right? That this was a disobedient start. But did Abraham learn to have faith? Yeah. He, he, we see it when, when God tells him to go sacrifice his son, and he's willing to do that. It says in Hebrews 11, he was willing to because he believed God could raise the dead. No one had been raised from the dead, but he had come to this faith in God. God, you'll do it. You're faithful. You can do this. And I think this is encouraging because right now, what's happening in the Baseball Hall of Fame is they're trying to keep people who, who juiced out, people who use steroids, they're trying to keep them out of the Hall of Fame. Barry Bonds, Mark McGuire, all these people. It's like they just hit home runs because they were juicing. But God doesn't keep people that have fallen short out of the Hall of Faith. He doesn't keep people who, in, in some instances, didn't show faith out of the Hall of Faith. You know why? It'd be empty. <laughs> it would be empty. But what, what I see here, when I see, when I, when I read all, of, of Hebrews 11, I see men and women that do have faith. But now, I, I, in light of this, I'm, I'm impressed more with not, yeah, their faith is impressive, but man, God is good. God brings them to faith. God's patient. He, he teaches them. He leads them. He shows himself faithful and he's patient with them. And yes, then they have faith and God does something amazing. But, but I'm more impressed with our great God than these people's great faith. Because we have a God that's willing to teach us and lead us into this place. Look at Jesus and the disciples. There's a few times when Jesus said, you of little faith to his disciples. That's, that's a stinger, Right? How many of you can attest, that would be a stinger to hear from Jesus, you of little faith. But God, Jesus was teaching his disciples. You know, one instance, Jesus makes the statement, beware of the yeast of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. And the disciples are like, we forgot our bread. That's what he's talking about. So Jesus, could, <laughs> they're, they're not getting it, but he goes along with it, Right? And he's saying, you have little faith. You saw me multiply bread. I multiplied it through your hands. You had to clean up the baskets of leftovers like you saw me. Why do, why do you say you have no bread, you have little faith? Another time, they're, they're in a boat and there's, there's this storm. And they wake Jesus up saying, we're going to die. And he calms the storm. And he again says, you of little faith. And he was really, you know, he's trying to get them to see, guys, like, you have seen me do miracles. Do you really think that if I'm here in, in, in the boat that you're going to die? No, you can trust me. Another time was with Peter. Jesus is walking on water, and, and Peter says, hey, if, if, if you... Say, come, and I'll come out to you. And so Jesus says, come. And Peter has this moment of living by sight versus by faith, right? He sees the waves, 
And at that instant, he begins to, begins to sink. And so Jesus holds him underwater. <laughs> no, it actually says immediately Jesus grabbed him. I love that. Immediately he grabs him. And it doesn't, I, I'm guessing Jesus looked him in the eyes and, and he says, you have little faith. Why do you doubt? Come on, Peter. You know, you've seen me be faithful. You know, you know I'm good. You know I'm trustworthy. Why, why do you doubt? Have you in your life have a, had a you of little faith moment with God? Anyone? Just me? There's a few. Okay, good. <laughs> I remember, and it's almost embarrassing to, to say, but I remember when Claude had this revelation from the Lord. He felt that, that, this, that this church would grow too, and, and he felt this was from God, a thousand people. And so he ended up telling that to the elders, telling that to the staff to, to kind of prep, right? This is why God was giving that word. We want to prep for, for more people, which is great. Um, and I just struggled to believe it. And then we had church camp, and I, I remember Gary Hayes saying, you know what, I, I feel in my heart, and I don't often say things like this bold, but I feel like God's saying a thousand people, that, that he's going to grow this to a thousand people. And even still, you know, you had that confirmation, even still, I'm like, really? Really? Like in maybe 50 years or something like that? Like, you know, we'll see. And then it happened, and I, I felt God say, Brenton, you have little faith. Why do you doubt? Why do you, why do you doubt me? Why do you doubt my, my power? And, and as, as, as hard as it is to hear that from God, it's good. And he does it. He says that so he can, he's teaching me. Look at my faithfulness. Look at what I can do. Don't doubt me. Trust me. And so really the, the difference of those who have faith and those who don't is those who end up having faith eventually learn through our thick skulls, okay, God, I can trust you because you've been faithful. I can trust you because I read in your word you can do all these things and I believe it, God. That's the difference. It's those who learn. And God is this patient teacher. He wants to teach you and bring you to this place of faith. I want to make sure that I'm not a student that's just la, 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 not learning these lessons, right? I want to learn to step into faith and to step into the more that he has for me. I want to read the story and take a few things out of it, kind of in closing. The story had been on my heart going into the new year, and uh, I just knew it's like, I'm, there's... I'm going to preach this, or I don't know how it's going to happen, but this is a significant story. I felt in my own life, and, and I feel like um, it's a great one to talk about today as well. The next generation of, of Israelites, we had that initial generation. They weren't allowed to enter the promised land. Now you have this next generation, and, and Joshua is leading them. And, and they're, they're, the time of waiting is over, and the time of stepping into the promised land is happening. And look, look what happens. It's so awesome. Uh, Joshua said to the Israelites, come here and listen to the words of the Lord your God. This is how you'll know that the living God is among you and he'll certainly drive out before you the Canaanites, Hittites, and all the ites. <laughs> See the ark of the covenant of the Lord of all the earth go 
into the Jordan ahead of you. Now then, choose 12 men from the tribes of Israel. Sound familiar? One from each tribe. As soon as the priests who carry the ark of the Lord, the Lord your God, of all the earth set foot into the Jordan, its water flowing downstream will be cut off and stand in a heap. So when the people broke camp to cross the Jordan, the priests carrying the Ark of the Covenant went ahead of them. Now the Jordan is at flood stage all during the harvest. I love how God leads them when it's flooding, right? <laughs> he's going he's gonna to test their faith. And so this is what happens. They step into the water, and when that happens, the water is held up. And, and the priests who carried the Ark of the Covenant, verse 17, stopped in the middle of the Jordan and stood on dry ground. While all of Israel passed by until the whole nation had completed crossing the dry ground, when the whole nation had finished crossing the Jordan, the Lord said to Joshua, choose 12 men from among, one from each tribe. Tell them to take 12 stones from the middle of the river, the Jordan, from right where the priests are standing, and carry them over and put them down at the place where you're going to stay tonight. So Joshua called together 12 men. He appointed from the Israelites, one from each tribe, and he said to them, Go before the ark of the Lord, your God, in the middle of the Jordan. Each of you take up a stone on his shoulder, according to the number of tribes of the Israelites, to serve as a sign among you in the future when your children ask you, What, are the, what do these stones mean? Tell them that the flow of the Jordan was cut off before the ark of the covenant of the Lord. When it crossed the Jordan, the rivers of the Jordan were cut off. These stones are to be a memorial to the people of Israel forever. So how, how do we step into more through faith? And what, what, is God, what is God showing the Israelites here before they're about to start the conquest of the promised land? The first thing he's showing them is that, God, I'm going before you. He was going before them. So if we're going to be people of faith, we have to know that, that God is going before us. But we also have to follow his lead. We have to follow his lead into battle. Actually, the first time that, that Israel refused to fight the giants, I guess they got a little stir-crazy in the wilderness, and they're like, oh, man, we should go into the promised land. Yeah, we're going to do that. We're going to go and fight Moses. And Moses says, don't go. God's not with you. And they're like, yeah, we'll go and fight. And they fight and they get destroyed. So if it, it, to be people of faith, we've got to follow God. Right? God's going to fight our battles, but, but not if we're, we're fighting the wrong ones. Not if we're fighting against each other. And why are you fighting my battles, God? Well, you're living. You're not walking according to my ways. You're not fighting the right battles. You're not going where I'm leading you. So you want me to bless you in your sin? No, no. I, you Follow me. Follow me. And this is where when we follow God and when we follow him into the place that he is calling us, this is where the presence of God, yeah, he does go before us. He always goes before us. Right? The other day in, in, uh, I was walking um, on a, a nature walk by my house um, and it's just beautiful in the winter. But every step that I take in, in that, that, that hike, someone else has gone before me. The ground is, is padded down. And so it's, it's nice because it's just not trudging in snow. My dog takes some steps where no one has gone before. He jumps through the snow. 
Um, but every step I take, someone else has been there. And, and think about this in your life. Every step you take, God's going before you. Think about, like actually think about that. And in that passage, it says the God of all the earth is going before you. That's huge, right? God was saying, I'm going before you. This is how you can walk in faith. I'm ahead of you. I'm with you. I'm behind you. I've got you. The second way God was teaching them to walk in faith is he, and what he was saying is, remember my faithfulness. Remember my faithfulness. The first time the Israelites, the, the Red Sea parted, it went south really, really fast, right? Moses goes up to the mountain and they're like, what should we do now? Let's worship a golden calf. It's like, no, come on. So this time, I love it. This time, God splits the Jordan River and he says, hey, pick 12 men, grab stones and bring them where you're gonna stay tonight. And forever, when your children ask, Dad, Mom, what are these stones all about? You're going you're gonna to tell them of my faithfulness. You're going to tell them what I did there. And that's going to give them faith, right? Guys, if we want to be faith-filled people, we need to remember the faithfulness of God. You won't be a faith-filled person if you don't remember God's faithfulness. If you don't come to know and trust God's faithfulness in your life. And it's said that these stones are to be a memorial forever. They still speak. This story coming into the new year still gives me faith. They're still speaking. His word is still speaking. His faithfulness, past, present, future, speaks of how we can walk in faith. God's good. I can trust him. And so he wants us to talk about his faithfulness. Talk about his faithfulness to your children. Talk about his God stories with each other because we need to examine his faithfulness in my life, in his word, and in community so that we can live faith-filled lives. The third thing that he was saying is follow my word into the water. Did you notice that the Jordan, it didn't part until they took a step, right? God's like, you're going to get wet. <laughs> Sometimes we want a faith maybe to keep us dry. I want a faith that keeps me dry. I want God to just take me and plunk me into more. Do it, God, now. But often, no, God, he's like, I'll go before you. I'll carry you, but you have to step forward in faith, right? I love what it says in Isaiah, when you pass through the waters, I'll be with you. When you pass through the rivers, they won't sweep over you. When you walk through fire, you won't be burnt. The flames won't set you ablaze. Sometimes we want a faith that just extinguishes the fire, right? But sometimes God gives us faith to walk through it. And faith, living a life of faith doesn't mean living a life where we're comfortable, right? I want to close with, with kind of this question. When was the last time your faith brought you into the water? When was the last time your faith brought you into the water? Where you took a step of faith? Where God was leading you, maybe it was to pray for someone? 
Maybe it was to bless someone with a gift. Maybe it was just to give. Maybe it was to tell someone about Jesus. Maybe it was to obey his commands and his ways, confess your sin. When was the last time God called your faith led you into the water? We shouldn't have a faith that keeps us dry, amen? I don't want a faith that keeps me dry. I really don't. I want to have a faith, in Hebrews 11, I want to have a faith where by faith, this is why I did this. By faith, there were tangible things in my life that I did differently because I was living out my faith. That's what I want in my life. And again, the beautiful thing is that God's teaching us. He's teaching us and he's teaching us, but I pray that we would learn. Amen? Thanks for listening. If there's anything we can do to help you along in your journey, email prayer at gmchurch.ca. If you'd like to see what's coming up at Gospel Mission Church or learn more about us, visit gmchurch.ca.